When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yo, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of River City ninety three. We are back. It's our humble abode. It's not a happy podcast. It's a subdued, melatonin-ish podcast. Um, if you didn't know, Rich, we got a draw on the road. Draw isn't always the worst thing in the worst thing at the end of the day, but there are some things that couldn't be approved about. To help me talk about the things that could be approved about, it's Mr. Matt Myers. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right. Doing all right. Where am I? Uh, good old. Uh, very nice looking, you know, green jersey from last year. I was going to say that is a very nice kid, sir. I like that. I know. It's who, nice. I mean, we always talk about it, but who are you thinking about getting on the uh, black and red? Because I know you're not getting the white one. So who are you thinking about getting on the black and red kit this year? I, I've got to wait and see who I want to run out of town. <laughs> this is always happening. Who did you get last year? Was it Crystal? I got two last year. This this one I got on right now is you know Vignoles. Okay. The other one might be Jalen Chrysler. Oh yeah, yeah. Another year, another center back leaves the team. Is it always happens? It I always know. Happens. Got to wait and see. Uh, you, know, you know who I'm hating on. You know, in a couple months, and then uh, yeah, they're going on their shirt. <laughs> It's bound to happen. Um, and also joining me is the guy whose son had a beautiful birthday party yesterday. Uh, it's Mr. Shanir Duran II. How are you doing, sir? Oh, tired, tired, but but I'm here. I, I bet and you I are. You have multiple kids running in your we, house. We were sir. able to watch at least some of the games. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got a whole bunch of kids running in my house. Cousins <laughs> and, and second cousins and just, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. Um, well, guys, we got a game to talk about, and it's been a while since we have had actual live games that we can talk about in person. So let's go ahead. Let's dive into it. First and foremost, um, let's give a big shout out to Akira. He officially made 100 caps in USL League One, so that's big for him. Um, he's been a stalwart within this team. It's funny to say, like, I think I think he's only missed two games in USO League One, and that was because he was just like, oh, go get the other guy uh, a game. I think he's only missed two. Uh, he had the, the one in the uh, second season down in Fort Lauderdale, the Aviza game. Yeah. Uh, but th- there are a couple of the first year where like, Rice you know, played because you know, there's one after Akira got sent off in that brawl. Against oh, yeah, that's league. right. Yeah. And I think there might have been like one other three one. So, I mean, yeah, he's had most of the games. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's only like two or three that he's uh, not been on the field for. Yeah. 
And also, he looked really good in that goalkeeper red. Like you tweeted out, Matt, uh, it's, it's, it's a wonder what that red jersey can look like on the field. We want to talk about this now, or you yeah, let's go ahead. Let's let's get into it. Let's talk about you, Matt. You can have the four. Talk about the jersey, sir. I mean, there's not much, not a whole lot to be able to say. You know, the kick. You know, (laughs) what do you think of you know the kickers? What do you think of uh, aesthetically on the field usually? Red, red, right? Cool. So last year didn't have a red shirt, but yeah, the green was fine. It was a throwback. It was purposeful, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the white shirt last year had like the blue sleeves on it. You know, the you know blue shorts looked pretty good. I thought, You're right? You know, it wasn't just plain. Uh, you know, even the year before that, it was. I mean, the gray was okay, uh, but yeah, they've been doing a little something with these you know shirts. I mean, these are trash right now that we're, you know, we're wearing, right? I mean, we can all agree about that. Now we don't have to try to pretend like, oh, it's hip, it's cool, it's going to be, you know, you know, for the streets and everything. How many of the how many numbers could you see on the back, you know, players' jerseys on the field on Saturday? Oh no, I kept getting Suko Not and Bill being was confused. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that we knew what a lot of the guys looked like already, how's anybody going to know who anyone is? Like, there, there's one and only one reason. That, you know, we could tell who Belmar was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think even Ross, uh, Ross Davenport, who called the game, started the game off, was like, yeah, these numbers are going to be pretty hard to uh, call out <laughs> until late yeah. at night. I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite as stupid as San Antonio's last year where they had black numbers on a black shirt, but it was close. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't they, – they have to, you know, fix that. But even then, it just looked like a bright white uniform out there. It looked like, you know – you know, shirt and white shorts. You know, again, if you're Real Madrid, that's your main look. Cool, fine. Otherwise, that's garbage. We look exactly like Lexington in that other game. We look almost exactly like Tormenta in their game. There's no identity to that. It sucks. It's a bad mm-hmm. shirt, and I, I don't you know care you know if, uh, you know you know the the trendsetters or any of that. You know, I think it's cool looking like. I care what it looks like on the field more than anything else, and it looks bad. Yeah. Other shirts not much better, but we haven't seen that on the field yet, so I'm willing to wait it out. But you know, this is a red team. Akira shirt looked great. You know, that looked like what a Richmond Kickers player should look like on the field. The other shirt is a black shirt. This is Darren Swatsky bullshit coming through. <laughs> all he wants to do is wear black all the time, and he's trying to co-op. You know, you know, the identity of this club and people are letting them because, oh, black's cool. No, we're a red. T- That's a black shirt with like a couple red, you know, splotches on it, you know, Jackson Pollock style. Also, it looks like, you know, Tucson, you know, hand-me-downs, you know, from last year. Why Why would you want to look like Tucson? They were awful. They're not in the league anymore and not because they were too good to move up. No, they were absolute trash who had to drop down because they couldn't hang. Why do you want to look like that? Oh man, that's hilarious! Oh, that's hilarious! All right, tell me how I'm wrong. Hey, you're not. I like the black and red. I I like it personally, but I can see what you said. Like we are a red team. Like I would like us, you know, next year get back to an all red kid. Like it's time to get back in those steps. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to transition from that. That's, that's probably what it, if you want to do it now or later. Hey, it, it was time. Look, I got to let you go. Got to let you get it off your chest because you've been wanting to talk about this for a minute. Well, um, how about this? Plain white shirts, plain white performance. That is very true. It was a plain white performance on the field. It was a nil-nil draw. Um, I have – I mean, we, let's go ahead. Let's dive into it. Um, game started off pretty well for the most part until really the two yellow cards early in the game really affected a lot. Uh, Zaka picked up a yellow card in the sixth minute. Hornsby picked up a yellow card in the 30th minute. To me personally, it seemed like it changed the intensity of the game. What do you guys think? Like, did it, those two yellow cards really affected things early on for the onset? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. I, I thought Zaka's early on was it was really like the first big thing that happened in the game. It, it was just a Zaka going in crazy hard, you know, challenge. Like maybe you wouldn't want it to be like the tenth minute of the game that he's picking up his yellow, uh, but. I mean, Zaka, you, it's going to happen. That's what he brings to the table. And the Hornsby one, I don't think that really changed the momentum or anything. I mean, it was a good yellow to take because they were getting ready to you know, go on a, you know, a break, and he just wrapped the guy up you know, before they even got to midfield and could even have the illusion of you know, pressure. But I don't think it was until after the halftime that things really started to turn. So I don't – I didn't see either of those plays affecting fl- the flow of the match at all. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think I think the Zaka yellow card. I mean, granted, like you said, that's who Zaka is. When Zaka took it, I, me and Shadir both looked at this. It was like, might be a red. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> came in heavy. <laughs> he did. Um, but for me personally, I think that's just – I think that yellow card kind of took away some of the zest from Zaka. Like, you can see it. Like, he wasn't trying to – going heavy as in tackles. Like he would kind of let it go a little bit because he knew, especially with this referee who will call a yellow early, like she's not afraid to call it. Like it just seemed as if like he was like, all right, I'm not going to throw myself around as he normally would to break up plays. Um, so that's more of where that question came from. Shanir, any thoughts on it? Um, I did I did see a change in, 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 in Zaka after his yellow card. Um, I don't, I don't know if Hornsby really changed his colors much after he got his, but I mean, he, he, he had a very solid performance. Zaka, I, he was willing to take that yellow card. And I think that that tackle was a statement. I, I really feel that he, cause he did not need to go in like that, but I think he did that intentionally a little bit of mind games, a little bit of. I'm here. What you're going to do about it type situation. So, I, but I do think after that, he was like, all right, I'm going to take it easy now because I know that this ref, she's known for for being very card happy. I mean, I think probably everyone probably had it on their bingo card. <laughs> Zaki yellow card <laughs> was coming at some point. It's, it's, it's part of the close identity now, as you like to say, Matt. Um, so Matt, you already alluded to it, so we can go ahead and talk about this as well. Like Richmond was controlling the game in the first part. Um, the granted chances, I think there was a danger. Like there was one part, I think it might have been around the twentieth ish minute, somewhere around there, um, where Neil was dribbling past defenders and took a nice shot on goal. They got saved, um, but Richmond was controlling the game in the first half. Um, they were breaking through Charlotte's press, but things seemed to change. 
when Charlotte made changes, um, really, like, really around that 54th to 64th minute, um, when we were getting belted in for 10 minutes. But when they made changes, they brought on Kelly and Louise in the 60th minute to affect the game. Why do you guys think so much of the momentum switch in that part in the game for the kickers? Do you think it switched more there? Do you think it just switched at halftime? I think it's more. I think those two subs really changed things a lot. I, th- I really, I to me personally, I think the ch- the momentum switch happened really around that 60th to 70th minute part because Charlotte brings on Kelly and Louise. We take off Belmar and Bentley, who to me were doing a really really good job. Um, and that's why I tweeted out the question: like, are we going to a four four two? Because you you bring on Gordon, but then you bring on Jow, but you say you place uh, Zuko on top. It just, I don't know. It kind of felt like Richmond kind of, I wouldn't say got, well, Richmond got stuck into their own half a little bit more. It wasn't able to fully get out. You know, they had moments where they were able to play through the press, but, you know, a pass wouldn't come off, so they got stuck and they had to recycle it. And, they, you know, it was just that same thing of getting stuck in your own half over and over again. We weren't able to relieve the pressure because I, Charlotte had, what, eight corner kicks to our one? And four alone in that first half, and three of them came within that ten minute spell that we got stuck in our own half. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I just felt like you know most of it changed around halftime because mm-hmm. I'm thinking back the whole second half. I think like three, even like halfway dangerous you know, situations we had the entire half. There's the one, you know, relatively early on where you know it went up you know down the left, and like Hornsby and uh, you know, Belmar were you know connecting well. I mean, it ended up with the Horns be crossing the ball right into the side netting. Uh, you know, there's one where Emmy, I, I, you can't even call it a breakaway because A, Emmy doesn't have wheels, and B, you know, there's like a one on one and a half to begin with before it became like a one on four. And then there was uh, one where like, uh, you know, Gordon and Emmy were kind of in like a two on four situation where Gordon still almost threaded you know, the pass through. Uh, but other than that, I can't remember much when we were even in there half the field. Yeah, the whole second half. So I I, I hear what you're saying, uh, but I mean I also didn't think that you know OMG USL Championship all time leading scorer Dane Kelly. Did you know he's all time leading scorer in the championship? By the way, Dane Kelly. Oh yeah, yeah. We I don't that. know where he's all time leading scorer in the championship, and that you know, <laughs> he just signed and he's the all time leading scorer in the championship. I'm not sure it came up at all <laughs> in the broadcast that he's the all time leading scorer in the championship. Did you see the promotion <laughs> flyer where they put Emmy was like all time leading USL championship scorer versus all time USL league one scorer? Like, we're like, all right, guys, we get it. Okay. <laughs> did he do that much? Did he really do that much more than, uh, you know, Bennett or, you know, Boo you did? No, I mean, probably not more or less. It just felt like that, like that was the moment. It just felt like the momentum switched a little bit more. Cause like you brought up the point of like, and I, when I went back and rewatched the game, it just felt like when Suko got pushed up to that, I guess you want to say left winger spot, it kind of felt like he got took it out of the game. Because outside of that, like in the midfield, he did fine. Like he was playing really well. It just felt like at that moment, it just felt like he got took it out of the game more or less. And Richmond just had a really hard time of breaking out of the pressure. And we just got sucked in and where they were creating. I mean, Charlotte was creating a little half chances here. I think the only true dangerous chance they had is the Corey Bennett shot that happened in the 57th minute 
where uh, Ross was yelling at the top of his lungs because he anticipated a goal, but Akira being the great goat goalkeeper that he is, saved it easily. Yeah, nice kick save. Right. Yeah. Oh, keep it saving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we, we let's talk about this point here. For Richmond, that's always been a trademark of theirs, where they'll have these moments, these spells, where they kind of get stuck in their own half, where they can't really relieve the pressure. Last night performance, Richmond went through that again, but the defense stood up tall. Dakota and Ani looked exceptional. How are you guys feeling about their p- partnership at center back? I know it was only one game, but how are you guys feeling about their partnership at center back thus far? Um, I I actually think they worked pretty well. Um, I think Dakota was a standout. Um uh, in yesterday's game, he had quite a few blocks. Um, really, just really stood all in the middle there and and, and shut a lot of stuff down. Uh, Ani was 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 also good, and it, it was it was a little uh, refreshing not to see that center back gets the ball pinged to the left. We we talked about it yesterday during the game, Elliot. How. Like, really, every time he gets the ball, you just know. You just need to put that sound, ping, and it's going to go to the left. So yeah, It was Jalen to Belarios all last year. There, there were still a couple. Yeah, it was, but it wasn't as much. Like, last year, we could we could predict it out of nowhere. We were like, yeah, this ball about to go to the left. Ping. Yep, <laughs> ping to the left. This year, they were trying to work it through. We were like, oh, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. One, another thing. Another thing that I I did notice with just our back line in general, uh, Hornsby had had a very good game, and uh, and Fitch had some really good moments. He, he had some really good one on one moments uh, with their winger, but that back line kind of took a lot of the burden off of Akira. Um, like we talked about last season, how much Akira would stand on his head. On many in many games, I feel like with the way this back line is playing, he will probably have to do that a lot less because they had quite a few chances that never made it to him. They were shut down from source. A lot of blocks. Uh, Barnathan had probably, I remember in the span of like 20 minutes, he probably three or four blocks. Ani had quite a few blocks. Fitch shut down some one-on-one situations on his wing and Hornsby did the same on his and that kind of takes a lot of the burden off of Akira thinking okay they might get past and I might have to do something crazy so Akira did have that great save in the 57th minute that kick save but outside of that there weren't too many saves from Akira he wasn't called uh he he wasn't called to, to to do his job as many times as we've seen last season, and that that was refreshing to see. That was, it was really refreshing to see a defense shut it down. Like we've we've always had a good defense, but they've always let a lot of things slip through the cracks. And Akira is there to cover those cracks, but now we're looking at a situation where a lot of those cracks are being by the defense themselves. I, I gotta disagree a little bit, more just to defend the previous defenses because I, I feel like this is a typical Akira type game, you know, where you he has to show up big for one or two moments and otherwise 
and this is going to sound much worse than it's meant to. He's a stat patter, yeah, you know, because <laughs> you know we, you know, the defense is, is designed you know, to give Are up. You calling him percent. the Djokovic of goalkeepers? Djokovic, the best tennis player out there for like no, uh, the uh, Denver Nuggets center. Oh, it was like this whole conversation about how he's a stat pattern or whatnot. But no, I get your point though about okay. right. We, we give up a lot of shots, you know, but usually they're like these low percentage, like you know, twenty five yarders that end up just rolling to Akira yeah. half the time. So that, that that looked a lot like what Charlotte was, you know, resigned to. You know, if they tried to you know work for a better shot. Yeah, Dakota, Ani, you know, Zaka, you know, Hornsby, Simon, whomever, you know, were there to not let them through. So it's like, hey, if you want to, you know, if you could hit one from, you know, 25, 30, good on you. But yeah. you try to get anything better, you're probably not getting it. Like, it, it, I'll be honest, like, I think the best Akira saves are, not the best, but like the typical Akira saves, the one where you're right, it's like that slow roller. He catches it in his body, he just slowly falls over to the ground. <laughs> Wait two, three seconds, gets up, and then rolls out like that. That's what it feels like most yeah. of the time. Like the Kira save is. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's a, you know, also credit him for organizing the defense well. So yeah, that's why I feel like yeah. saying stat adding sounds a little rough, but you know, not it, it, they're not all save of the week type, you know, of things. You, again, we usually ask for like, hey, here have one moment of magic. You know, whereas other teams might be asking their keeper to you know pull something out of a hat three or four times a game. Just exactly. Like yeah. His goalkeeper last night. I mean, <laughs> oh my to, goodness, had to keep that team in the game. Um, so real quick, I, I was on uh, what was it? So Sofa Score, um, and they had a graphic about showing the average position of both teams. So Charlotte's average position was very vertical. Like, <laughs> let me see. I got it here. Um, yeah. So the average was. was very vertical. Charlotte was clogging the midfield. They had what Dunwell, Sis, Abara, Oberton, kind of all clogging up the middle, where Richmond was more so horizontal. I think like this is the both way how teams want to play, how both teams want to play. Richmond wants to get wants to spread you wide, wants a little bit more possession, where Charlotte wants to play very route one up and down. With Charlotte clogging that midfield, do you think that might have affected the way how Richmond was trying to build out in certain moments, like try to get plays going? Because it felt like a lot of plays were getting started and then they get cut out and then we had to restart. You know, do you feel that way? Or, yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Uh, yeah, I felt our most of our you know outside you know players other than Hornsby, I didn't think they played that well. They, you know, I know you said that you thought you know Bentley was doing well. I didn't. I thought he was invisible, other than defensive contributions, yeah. for the most part. Like you know, Simon was okay, like defensively, but he gave us nothing going forward. And you know, for you know this system to be able to work, you have to get something you know out of you know fullbacks. Like Hornsby gave us some stuff, you know, pushing forward, and uh, Belmar showed some flashes. But I mean, he, he's not a Bolaños player. He's much more of a inside. Yeah. You know, type of guy than a you know winger type of guy, and that's not a bad thing. But I think it's going to take a little recalibration time to yeah figure out how that works. But I can see like Belmar and Hornsby working well together along that left flank. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think that's what you give the give and take with Simon. Like we know Simon last year's profile was as good he, as he is defensively. 
you lose that offensively with him. Like the moments when you come in for a pain. Like we knew, all right, he's coming in to really just shut stuff down. Um, I, th- I agree with you, but I think that's probably the one part of the game he does have to improve on is his offensive contributions. Um, Hornsby, I mean, for a debut, he had a really solid game. He looked to pair well with uh, Belmar on that left-hand side. Um, I do – I am wondering this. Was it – and I'm wondering if I'm just making this up in my head, but did it seem like to y'all like Belmar was kind of playing – like a front two at times with Chizagi, like he would cut in a lot of times centrally. Did it seem like that? Or yeah, no, I, I did. I did feel that that was the case. Um, like it, it's like you said, Matt Belmar is more of a tuck inside, like quote unquote inverted winger of sorts than than uh, Bolaños was. Bolaños was a a true winger. Um, he would take that. He worked in the channel. He worked in the channel. Um, Belmar wants to come inside. Uh, so that kind of, to me, makes things a bit lopsided. And I mean, hopefully with with a little bit more time with, with the boys, Hornsby can kind of work with that and, and get a little further up and to be able to cover that wing position when Belmar does tuck in. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the issue there is that that's also what Bentley wants to do on the other side. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So really don't but have Fitch isn't, Fitch isn't going to overlap. All right. So, neither one of the forwards really wants to be wide. So everybody's, you know, kind of, you know, congregating a little bit, but then there's nobody on either side really out there at all. Yeah, that's hard to do when you have – I mean, as great as Tazaki is, Tazaki isn't – like, he's not darting, like, sprinting around and whatnot and pulling people out. Like, he really is like a target man. Um, so, let's talk about – we had a couple of debuts last night. We had debuts, Sukau, uh, Belmar, uh, Jao. Am I going to say anyone else? Oh, Hornsby. Uh, so, we had four debuts. Let's talk about each player, how, they, how we think they did in their debut. Um, start off with Belmar. Starting off with the left wing, how do we think he did overall in his first quarter? He's got 70 minutes in there. I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in the first half, he, uh, he had a couple of you know, good contributions, you know, some uh, you know, good connecting you know, play. I think, he, I think he was the one that uh, you know, sent one really dangerous uh, you know, cross in there. Oh, hit the top of the crossbar. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was him or not. Yeah, it was uh, him. but yeah, he, he was getting you know those looks and those opportunities. So, you know, I like that. I mean, the first half overall was obviously much better than the second half. You know, I don't think that's uh, groundbreaking uh, analysis, you know, by any means. But even in the second half, uh, you know, there was that you know, one of the very few times we looked halfway dangerous. You know, where you know, I think Hornsby was playing the ball into the box, and I thought that ball was gone. Uh, you know, it was going to be you know, picked up by a you know, Charlotte player, and somehow you know Carlton got himself in there in front of you know the defender. Uh, so I think you know, he's he's got some of that burst. I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to get uh, you know raw speedster, you know Bologna style, but I think there's something there that we can be able to you know, work with and build upon. Yeah. I will say this: he does really good in tight spaces. Like there was a couple of times he had the ball to that byline or corner flag, and Shadir can tell you, I was like, oh, he about to lose this ball. 
and then he'll just pop out out of it and kind of weave his way through. So that's kind of impressive to see out of him. Um, let's talk about Justin Sukow. Um, played roughly all 90 minutes. Uh, I will say 70-ish in the midfield, another 20 out on the wing. Um, had four tackles overall in his uh, debut for the Richmond Kickers. How do we think he did, Shamir? I think he did okay when he was in the midfield. Um, the, as you said, he had four tackles. He he tried to he, – he had a bit of a defensive presence in the midfield. But once they moved him out to the wing, it, it was like he wasn't out there. Uh, I, I don't think that position suits him. I don't think he really can affect the game out wide as much as he can in the midfield. So I didn't think he put, I didn't think he affected the game in the midfield either. Like, how many times did you really you know, see or hear his name called? You know, most of that game. Well, I, we didn't have the audio on, so it was hard. But no, I get your point, though. Um, right. Yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of what Suko provided was just connecting passes, not line breaking passes, not pushing forward passes. I, I think he is the type of player that'll float around in that midfield to put out fires. Uh, basically, if we're trying to go down one channel and we hit a roadblock he's going to float into that area to be that outlet for you to be able to spread the ball to the other side. And he's, he's, I don't think he's the type of player that's going to receive that ball and hit a line breaking pass. That's going to, that's going to kickstart an attack. And so I think he's, he's, and, and it could just be because he's still just getting used to, you know, that he's still betting in because it, and, and I'm glad the fact that he's just doing that basic utility role until he's fully bedded in and the chemistry really starts to build with the other midfield player. But out on the wing, please don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first game, so I'm not you know, looking to you know, be able to absolutely kill anybody based off of the first game. But, uh, I mean, we were, we were talking, you know, for the last few times about you know, the gaps that need to be filled. And, yeah, I think that was the biggest gap uh, that still looks unfulfilled. You know, you can see where uh, Hornsby's stepping in for, you know, Stu. You can see where, you know, Simon's step, stepping in for, you know, Payne. You can see where Belmar uh, stepping in, you know, for Bolaños. I, I, and part of this is, I think, why the second half went so poorly for the most part, because the midfield is just getting overrun. And I mean, there's only three in the midfield. He was one of them for most of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it does. Oh, go ahead. My fault. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it it is a, you, you look at, yes, Fitch is more defensive than Payne, but he does the right back job. Okay. Hornsby, good replacement. Uh, the Belmar, he's more of an inverted winger, but he is a winger. But Suko, there's there's not really much comparison between Suko and Ethan. Um, what we had for a number eight last year in Ethan uh, requires someone who's a lot more dynamic, a lot more risk-taking in terms of his passing and a lot more range in terms of his passing. 
I think Suko just did the simple stuff well and stuck with that. And it hopefully that's just going to be getting started. I, I, I understand. It, it is good to do, to do the simple stuff well. But <clears throat> I want a player who I only see that when things are going bad, things aren't working out. All right, let's just do the simple stuff well and get out of here with a draw. But from beginning to end to be just on the basic, okay, I'm going to receive the ball and put it to the player who's away from pressure, and that's all I'm going to do. I would want more, but it's good that he's able to do that stuff and do it and do it consistently because in moments where things aren't working out, we do know that we have someone who can just, all right, if we just need to keep the ball rotating, rotate it to the other side, recycle, recycling possession, he, he can definitely provide us with that. Right. All right. So I don't want to leave it too much on Suko. We know he's new, so we got to improve on a little things, but um, another player made a debut performance is Mr. Hornsby, who was already talking about. Um, Matt Hornsby, how do we think he did on his debut? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I thought he was our best player. Uh, yeah. you know, so I feel like any, <clears throat> anything dangerous, you know, is coming, you know, through and because of him, you know, uh, whether that's you know, during the first half, you know, being able to connect with, you know, Neil, uh, being able to connect with, you know, Belmar. Whoever you know seems very tidy with his, uh, you know, touch with his play coming out. You know, defensively, uh, you know, didn't seem to really put you know much of a foot wrong anywhere. I, it's hard to think of how, as a left back, you can have a much better debut short of you know getting on the score sheet. Yeah, yeah. No, he looked. I, I feel really good with him being in that left back left back spot. Um, looks solid to me. Um, and last but not least, uh, player that came on in the 70th minute, Mr. Jao Gamario. Janir, how do you think he did, sir? Um, I, I, I've got a bit of mixed feelings with him. I, I feel that we need to see more. Um, uh, so I, I, can, I, can I say this real quick, Shadir? For me, I'm a little bit down on Jao, and this is someone that I was excited to see um, just because he he had two bad fouls at the top of the box. Um, one that resulted in the one that he thought it was a foul because he kind of jumped up and was like, oh, darn, I gave away a foul. But that the ref didn't call it uh, came a breakaway chance uh, for Gordon. And then he had one in the 85th minute. It was the exact same foul. Granted, it was a veteran foul that Kelly kind of beat him into, but you can kind of see the kind of evergreenness in him of letting those fouls happen. Uh, he didn't really affect play as much, but just those two fouls alone, giving them up in dangerous areas, were a kind of notch against him in my book. But once again, like it's his first performance ever as a professional athlete. But yeah, my fault. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I do agree with you. And to piggyback off of that, I think, I think what we're looking at is a player coming off the bench and not being familiar with the pace of the game, and that's what leads to to to, to those two fouls, among other things. Um, he's slow to react, slow to 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 go in for the ball, which means, which in turn leads to those fouls. Mm -hmm. Hopefully over time, 
you know, put over over time with with him plugging along and getting minutes, he'll get more in with the pace of the game and be able to affect the game a little bit better. Um, I, I, however, depending on who beds in quicker, I, and even if they were to both bed in at the same pace, I, I think I would rather Suko in the midfield than him because um, I don't think Suko is as much of a liability. Um, if, if Suko shows more range to his passing and more expansion to his game, it's a no-brainer that Silva's just going to be coming off the bench. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, those are all the debutants uh, who started off with Richmond Kickers. Matt, let's bring back our old free rich edition that we started last year that we're going to make it seem like we've been doing for forever. Um, our top threes of each game. So, Matt, take us away, sir. Lead the segment. Yeah, so just as a refresher for if this is your first time, uh, you know, the podcast, or if you, know, you just didn't pay attention last year, it's cool. So <laughs> we're trying to just uh, you know find a way to be you know, a little bit more objective with uh, you know our evaluation at the end of the year of who was actually player of the year. So it's not who was you know hot in September and we're like, oh yeah, they were great all season, and kind of forget you know, how yeah. the first three or four months it you know, went. So. Uh, what we're going to do each game is, you know, Who was, was it Neil? What was that? Was Neil our player of the year last year? Oh, Emmy. It was Emmy. Emmy. Okay. Yeah. Emmy mostly because Bologna missed like a third of the year. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Bologna had had an injury for a third of the year, but I yeah. feel like he probably would have taken it if he didn't. Right. <laughs> probably. Like, somebody finished second. I can't remember who. All right. My fault. Yeah. So. You know, player of the game, you know, for each of us, we'll get three points, second, two points, kind of like you know, NHL three stars of the game, you know, bit, and then we'll, you know, tally them up, you know, throughout the year and see, uh, you know, based on our expertise, who is, in fact, player of the year. Uh, and obviously, we'll be right, and anybody else will be wrong. But we nailed it last year. Emmy, Look, we'll ha- Emmy? we have a number. Who was the MVP? Emmy. Emmy, right? <laughs> We called. We called it. We do know what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if y'all need a second to think about, it, I can go first because I, I was already ready with this. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So, I already kind of made mention of this. From, uh, you know, the last segment we were talking about, uh, you know, some of the, the debuting players. But yeah, I gave my three points to uh, Michael Hornsby. I thought, you know, he was you know, far and away the best player on the field. You know, for us on Saturday, uh, you know, just being active from the left back position, you know, not only defensively, but you know, really getting involved, uh, you know, building the ball out, you know, connecting with the midfielders and, you know, getting you know, involved in the attack with some nice crosses. So I gave him my three, uh, gave uh, Dakota two, Ani one, probably could have been reversed just as easily, but those two, you know, guys really deserved it. Uh, you know, they, but, you know, Shanir was mentioning, you know, they kind of locked everything up for the most part. Didn't let much you know, through, especially as you know, uh, USL Championship all-time leading scorer Dane Kelly kept on trying to you know dance through the defense. Uh, one or both of them kept being there to. Yo, Ani looked so good shutting him down because there was a moment Kelly had the yeah. ball like late in the game and he was trying to his best to turn Ani. Ani was just like, nope, you're not yeah. getting this dude. So 
Uh, I chose to give Dakota my two and you know, Nathan my one, but uh, that's where I am. All right. Sinead, you want to go next, my guy? Uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be breaking too much new ground here. Um, my three points go to Hornsby. Um, he was the, the best player on the field for the kickers, in my opinion. And I think the best player on the field overall um, in, in the match. Um, two points, I'm going to go with Dakota. Um, both Dakota and Ani both had a lot of great blocks and a lot of great defensive moments. But <clears throat> I'm going to give Dakota the two points because a lot of his blocks were a little more Hollywood. They were a little more highlight room. Um, he had that one where I just thought, I think, was it Kelly? I think it was Kelly. Uh, no, no, it was Overton. Uh, coming down, he kind of, he was coming straight down the middle, kind of veered a little to the left. And it looked like he was going to be able to get a shot off. And Dakota just came out of nowhere and smothered the shot. And he had quite a few moments like that uh, where he completely shut things down. So he's going to get those two points. Um, I'm going to give my one point to, um, uh, uh, like like Matt said, I'm going to give my one point to Ani. Um, he was consistent. Solid, reliable. It didn't really put a foot wrong in this game defensively. And um, when he did receive the ball, there were a lot more connecting passes to one of the midfield three or or one of the outside backs if needed. So rather than trying to hit and hope to either Bentley or Belmar. All right. Um, so for me, my three points. Um, hmm. Oh, man, I'm gonna give my three points to Neil uh, Vignoles. He was probably the best creative player that we had. Um, he played. A, I mean, granted we didn't score, but he was all over the place, connecting plays, connecting plays. Uh, looked really good. Um, even so much, I think Darren might need to switch back to the four-two-three-one. Just gonna throw that out there. Um, two points. I'll give it to Hornsby. Um, I mean, he out there in the left wing was his. I don't. I, I really correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I don't remember any real big attack coming from that left hand side. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like any attack mm-hmm. that came on the left hand side was like a, a half chance that they were like, all right, we're just gonna try to pop shot it, but nothing really developed on the left hand side because I mean, Horns was doing that well. Um, and my one point, I'm gonna give it to Akira. Um. <laughs> you know, you never go wrong with a clean sheet, but I think the save he had in the 57th minute was fantastic and just old school Akira. I think any other goalkeeper in that situation boggles it and it goes in the back of that, but you know, that's how comfortable you are with Akira back there that Matt calls it stat padding. <laughs> <laughs> well, one reason I didn't go Akira is just because that, that one big save for me just offset that, that first half incident uh, that that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. Um, so guys, let's I go do ahead. Feel Akira's, uh, you I, I was just gonna say, I, I do feel Akira's uh, his distribution has just been consistent over 
the time he's been at the kickers. Um, there are so many situations where he got the ball at his feet and he just pinged it and found the feet of one of our wingers, like almost every time. Once they were stepping forward, trying to press high, he just lobbed it right in behind. And it, it's just, it's just ridiculous how his distribution has just not wavered at all. Yeah. And yeah, it's a strong part of his game. Um, really strong part. Um, guys, let's go ahead. Let's transition into our preview of Greenville Triumph, um, our arch nemesis uh, mm. down there in the Carolinas. Uh, so last year's series kind of went like this. Greenville won the season series last year. Uh, with two wins, we had one draw last year. Uh, this is Greenville's first game they had this weekend off. They do have a new stadium, so they're no longer at what was it, Legacy College last year? Yeah, like Legacy? early or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now they're playing at um, uh, Furman University. Uh, Furman, who just knocked off who did they knock off at the tournament? UVA. Oh, that's right. He was UVA. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was glorious. Oh, sorry to all the UVA people listening to the podcast. Sorry. sorry. Not- yeah, that's what I'm about to <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. Like, I'm from Virginia, but you cannot pay me money to root for VCU, U of R, UVA, or ODU. I might root for Tech just because. The early 2000s, they were the black school and they were recruiting out of the 75 and 804 like crazy. I might vote, I might, I might root for ODU because Yambi. Look, Yambi always gotta, gotta, gotta place in my kicker's heart, so yeah, he does, he does. Um. So, yeah, like Matt said, get ready for football lines there at Furman's uh, Stadium there. But Greenville's key players, like we know, is Lee freaking in the back, Walker Bruce. Uh, Devin Bruce, who was at Union Hall, came back after a failed attempt in Memphis in the midfield and Lopovitz up top. Um, guys, real quick, for Greenville, we know how this team is. They like to play this low block, like to hit you on the counter. It's this super veteran team. That you have there, guys that's been in this league since year one. How is Richmond? What we talked about with how the office was a little bit stagnated. How are they going to get through Greenville in week one? I, I mean, not week one, but during this week game. Yeah, I feel like most of these um, games usually. Are you, gonna... no, you, can, you can go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, I feel like most of the games against Greenville usually come down. You know, to a battle of who can force the other team to have the ball more, because both teams tend to like to play, uh, you know, more on the counter. You know, tend to like to you know, be more of a quick hitting offense. Uh, and play, you know, I think if you looked at the stats from last year, I think both were might have been the bottom two in the league in possession. Yeah. Uh, so it's really kind of a you know style clash almost. You know, in that way because it's not like either team is excited to be ball dominant. Yeah, so you have to try to impose that, you know, your will on the other a little bit more. But, yeah, I think where we found the goals in the past is you know, being able to you know, play quick, you know, through the wings, uh, you maybe be able to find Emmy. But I think the other pieces, you know, this is built a little bit off of the Charlotte game. You know, sometimes guys just need to start being a little more selfish, you know, too. Yeah. Look, look for your own sometimes because – other than Neil looking for that shot, like there are a few other times where I feel like guys probably could 
have taken it would have been you know the, the highest percentage chance. No, uh, but it would have been you know letting the opponent know that hey, we're willing to rip it. We're willing to you know take this look, and that might help to create a little bit more space later on. So, do you feel like there was a little bit of too much trying to look for the perfect pass, look for the perfect moment in this home in this first game? Do you feel like that? I mean, a little bit. Like, okay. I mean, it's not like you know we were just dancing around all the time. But even in the first half, like, other than that Neil shot, like, how many other actual shots do you remember for all that amount yeah. of time we were up there, or even late in the game? I remember. I think we only had about three or four in the whole game. Yeah, I don't remember who it bounced out to, but yeah, there was one you know run during you know, stoppage time where the ball actually was up around the box, and there didn't seem any urgency to look to actually look towards goal. It was a uh, oh well, let me reset this instead. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Uh, Shanir, for you, my man, Greenville. They have a brand new goalkeeper in. All, but this back line stays kind of how it is. How do you think Richmond is going to attack and are looking to exploit this new goalkeeper? And do you also think that Richmond's midfield can create a little bit more opportunities going forward? Um, I think, as Matt said, there's a, a, a very close comparison in the style, uh, in the counterattacking style that both kickers and Greenville play. Uh, the low block, trying to catch them on the counter type situation, <clears throat> which makes which uh, makes me sit there and think, is okay, well, how do you change that, how, that dynamic? How do you... How, how do you capitalize on that? And, and I feel that the only way the kickers can, and, and I haven't seen too much evidence of it, is a counter press. And, and I don't know if there's any teams in League One that can execute a counter press well. Um, it's a risky maneuver to once the other team receives the ball and they're going for that counter attack for you to swarm and win the ball back while they are all running forward. Mm-hmm. When it, it's a it's high risk, high reward situation. Once you do that, everyone's caught out of position because everyone was bombing forward for the counterattack. Now they have to turn around and run back towards their own goal. Um, I think, I think, in my opinion, that would be the only way to break through Greenville. You gotta catch them out of position. And one thing that I do feel, based off of what I saw yesterday, I do think Darren is working on the kickers being a team that can break a defense down a little better. Um, I could see different ideas being used in that against Charlotte. I don't know if that will translate well against uh, Greenville, though, because they are a defense that are waiting for you to attack them, waiting for you to push yourself so far forward that once they win the ball, they can get it in behind. So it's a risky one, in my opinion. Yeah, it's kind of like you got to have that give and take. And, I mean – even if Darren, like he's alluded to before in, in the uh, press conference of, you know, just being patient with the system, uh, trusting it, knowing that it's going to work. And I think 
Um, we're seeing that. It's, it's going to take some trust. It's going to take some time for it to develop. But I think this might not have been the starter we wanted. Of course, we wanted the three points. But it's a positive start. Um, get the draw on the road. Keep it pushing, going to Greenville. And go on from there and get ready for the home opener on April 1st against Charlotte where they learn from it and, you know, get the three points there at home in City Stadium. Um, guys, before we wrap up, any last things? No? Uh, Excellent. I love uh, it. Look at us <laughs> keeping the show underneath an hour because we effectively planned it out. <laughs> Look at us. We're doing a lot better in our fifth year. Yeah, once we go over an hour, that's when things get crazy. Yeah, that pot's coming. That pot is coming. It's coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we probably, probably would have got there if we knew who was who on the field most of the game. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. If we could actually see the numbers and names. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I guess the only other thing I'm – Sticking in my mind a little bit is mm-hmm. questions about the depth right now. I mean, you know, Darren yeah. only two subs. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know what? I just mark it up to maybe because we've seen this before out of Darren where he won't make subs if things are going, if things seem balanced or seem to be in the kicker's favor. He won't <laughs> really make too many subs. I, At what point in the second half did either of those seem applicable? Hey, look. Probably neither, but I, I do wonder that about the lack of subs. Um, but I mean, hey, I'm not on. I wasn't at the game directly, so who knows? I'm well, I, I mean, it, it did. It did look like if they played for another three hours, no one was going to score. It really did look way. So yeah, I think I mean, that's what he was seeing. Eh, I mean, he had Chris Cole on the bench, Meacham, O'Dwyer, How. So, I mean, he brought on the one offensive substitute he had in Gordon and the one midfield option in Gamario that we would have assumed. I mean, out of that, I don't think anyone else. So, yeah, man, I mean, you're right. Like, the lack of depth, like we alluded to in the offseason, like in the midfield, is really there. Like, it seems to be showing. Uh, real quick, before we end the show, I want to ask you guys this. If you get signed, it doesn't I, you, you don't want to play this, but if you get signed one more player for this team, would you sign someone in the midfield or an attack, Matt? Midfield. Shanir. Midfield. We need an eight. Okay. We got I, a ten, we got a six. We need an eight. Okay. I would go attack. I feel like you need one more there. This is me. Um, but yeah, outside of that, um, Show's done, y'all. Uh, any last things before we officially wrap up? Because I was about to wrap up before, but then we started talking about some of this. <laughs> no, I all think right. I'm good. I think we're all good. Um, as always, listeners, we just want to say thank you for taking time out of your day for listening to our show. Without you, we could not do this show. So much so that if you find it in your heart, head on over to RiverCity93.com and donate to the page for as low as 99 cents. A month. That's 99 cents a month. That doesn't, that's not even a cup of coffee. Like, that's literally toll from you getting from Chesterfield to City Stadium. You can you can help us out. Um, if you also love the show so much, like, share, subscribe on YouTube, share the podcast with friends. Uh, we're getting ready April 1st. Things look to be going 
in a great direction. Did you guys see the picture of the uh, watch party? It was packed out. Looks like no, I didn't catch it. Yeah, no, it looked amazing. It looked packed out. It looked like it was a lot of people. That I know Paige and Richard and Scott and them leading the Red Army are doing a lot of great things. So that's good to see out there as well. Um, yeah, for Matt, Shanair, and myself, we will holler at you guys next week. Where we hopefully will be talking about a Richmond Kickers W. Until that time, we'll see you guys next week. Later. Oh, <laughs> my